Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Good Saturday morning, St. Louis. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. I'm your host today, Rich Orris, filling in for the renowned Scott Mosby. And if you don't know or if you're a first-time listener, you know, this is your source for all things related to enhancing your living spaces. This is your chance to engage directly with me to get your answers that you've been seeking about your home. Pretty much anything going on from the siding, roof, foundation, all the way through the inside of the house. If you've got a burning question that you're in need or in need of some guidance maybe on a specific project, don't hesitate to call. You can join in the conversation today. Just dial 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 to connect and have your voice heard right here. And, you know, I always kind of say this, but I love this platform, you know, basically for learning, sharing, discovering, you know, all the latest uh, trends in home improvement, maintenance, op- you know, things needed, just all sources of, of things needed for your home. From a small-scale update to complete transformations, our mission is really to empower you, the homeowners, like and like you know, to create spaces that would truly reflect your style, meet your needs, keep your home up to date, keep your home maintained in the best way possible. Again, you can call in and reach me at three one four. 925-7900 or 800-925-1120. So oh, I think I got that first one wrong. It was 314-436-7900. 436-7900. Give us a call today. Got a lot of different industry things. Got Mosby things. Got things that I do as a Mosby consultant every day that we can kind of discuss, talk about, and a lot of different things that would be... uh you know, great to go over for you today. So I've got my list, but let's uh, let's start right out on the phone here. We've got Kristen on the phone already. Let's get to Kristen and see what you have going on. Hey, thanks for calling. Hi. Thank you for being there. So I have a question. Um, I have uh, what I believe is filtration soiling around the edges of my carpet in an apartment where I live. And I'm wondering if you know what I can do to remove the soiling. Okay, so it's around the edges, like on the exterior walls? Um, it's on the, yeah, it's like around the baseboard of the entire perimeter of the apartment. I know it's probably a ventilation issue and so forth, which that's a whole separate ball game that I'm prepared to take to take, you know, care of, but as far as the carpeting itself without having to um, put in new carpeting, because carpeting is relatively new. It's just the filtration soiling, you know, is around the the perimeter. Is is that making sense? Am I describing it? Yeah, yeah, kind of up against the wall. Is it just like a kind of a darker dirtier yeah. area that's, you know, an inch yeah. to, to three inches or something like that? Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, yeah, that is usually um, definitely like a kind of breathing, you know, air movement type of thing. 
we see it in a lot of houses, um, like near doors where the doors are cut off and, and there's some space there, you know, in order to where air flows underneath it. And we see it where the ductwork runs through the walls a lot or where you have a cold air return. If the wall's not sealed really well at the bottom, you know, you'll get, you'll get, uh, that darkening and it's basically, you know, blowing air under the door, sucking air in, you know, through that, uh, cold air return and, and just kind of filtering the air and just causing that, you know, to, um, just filter the dirt through the carpet fibers, um, so definitely uh, new carpet, you can get a lot of really great fibers and protection and, and all that stuff to make it a little easier to clean up. But really, this, this isn't much, you know, if this is what this is, it shouldn't be much different than a typical, um, you know, just kind of like dirt, that sort of thing, you know, getting the carpet dirty. So a standard, you know, carpet cleaner, um, or carpet cleaner machine, um, like I have a little handheld one for pets that has a little hose on it where you could spray the carpet cleaner and it's got a little handle that's about, you know, three inches wide. Works real good for like the seat of your car to just kind of, you know, actually do a carpet cleaner on, on a cloth seat or something like that. So any kind of carpet cleaner should get that out, you know, really well. And in a smaller machine like that that you could either purchase or rent um, should should help you, you know, spray, get the cleaner on there and everything, and then vacuum that up just like you're kind of, you know, you can go around the perimeter without necessarily carpet cleaning the whole room if you would like, or just use a carpet cleaner and just kind of carpet clean that whole room, you know. But it, can, you, can you recommend any uh, specific kind of solution or even a chemical that I can put down to lift it up because it, it looks like it's deep within the fibers. Or not not so much deep within the fibers, but really embedded in the, the fiber. It hasn't gotten down to the pad or anything yet, but it's pretty well in there. Like it's stuck to the fibers. Do you recommend anything solution-wise or chemical-wise I could put down? Um, so, uh, just your standard cleaners should work fine. Uh, like club soda, you know, like getting a stain off your clothes, you know, deep into your clothes or something like that. Um, is if there's a tough spot that doesn't come out really well, um, you know, should work, should work, should work just fine. You know, anything like that, um, should should be fine. Hydrogen peroxide, you got to kind of watch on your carpet if something like. A, a hydrogen peroxide I would test in an area that's in a closet or inconspicuous to make sure it's not gonna you know fibers these days are, are pretty sturdy on carpet fibers depending on how old you know the carpet is so try that in in an area and if it doesn't discolor you know or anything like that like in a corner of a closet back of a closet then that would be you know another good solvent that could help, you know, get stuff like that out. So, but there's plenty of, plenty of carpet cleaners that just, you know, go for the machines and all of that and put it in a spray bottle and spray it on there and, and either dab it up or vacuum it up. 
So hopefully that uh, that kind of helps you out. It really shouldn't be. It probably looks a lot worse than it is, you know, for, for Kristen around there because it can start to look pretty dark and everything. Um, but it but it really shouldn't be anything in there that that's tough to get out like oils and you know if you had like oil from your shoe or walking on a lot of black top and you start to get the black stuff like that the stick's going to be a lot harder to get out but this should really not be you know as difficult as it appears you know up front so standard cleaners things like that are going to work really really well for you so let's get into our first break for everybody else out there i'm here got a lot going on Hope to hear from you. Answer some more questions. Great questions like Kristen just had. Give me a shout, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And we'll jump into some more calls right after these messages. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, guys, we're back. Rich Orris here again today, filling in for Scott Mosby, having a great time. Hopefully, we can really get through some great questions, some great topics for you, you know, things going on, um, what you have going on around your house. If you're curious, if you need anything, again, I'm here for you. We've got the full two hours today. Give me a shout, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And, you know, I did want to touch on kind of a an industry thing that I kind of see and hear about all the time as I'm, as I'm talking to people. And I get a lot of these questions about, um, like, inspectors and, and home inspectors and, and pulling permits and you know, having having your, your house actually inspected while it's built and different things like that, and then basically having issues later on. You know, in the in the the topic always comes up that like, okay, well, I had a house built and within a year, you know, it it was inspected, it was done like they said, it passed all the municipality inspections. It was deemed livable. I have a piece of paper. It's livable for for us to be in here for so many occupants, all this stuff. And here I am 12 months later, and I've got leaks. I've got things going on. I've got things wrong with the house. How can that be? You know, and when you really kind of look at it and think about it, you know, industry-wide, and think about other industries, you know, think about, like, the car industry. Like, I, I had a truck years ago that got recalled that there was a, like a boot thing around a cable that could stick and actually hold the throttle down. And, you know, well, okay, well, you don't want the throttle to be held down, you know, right? And they engineers designed this truck and they built this truck and there was, you know, I'm sure, you know, thousands and thousands of Chevrolet trucks on the road that had this thing that, and it wasn't a super big deal to fix. They literally changed this boot in like, I don't even think it took 10 minutes. It was so fast, you know, but talk about such an unsafe thing. Well, how can that be? You know, how can they, they did all that. How can they let this happen? Well, it's kind of the same thing with, you know, home inspectors. If you're buying a home, they're looking at things, 
They're, they're giving advice. They're testing some things. They're saying, boy, you might want to look deeper into this or that. Or even when, you know, you're having a new home built and, you know, sometimes the municipality is, is also reliant on the architect and the engineers and the different things where they're looking at it going, okay, well, if all these people, you know, if these people say this is okay, then, well, I guess it should be okay. And we're going to make sure it's safe and habitable the day we, we look at it and then walk away. But, you know, is, is this designed and built in, in a state that is only going to be good and viable for six months, six years, 10 years, you know, so there are like, I mean, think about design flaws in homes. I mean, I've seen so many different things with um, building, with remodeling, you know, with how things are done of just really leaving leaving things in a state where it's like, wow, I, you know, they, they, I can't believe, you know, they would do that. And, and I've seen so much of, um, you know, like decks that are built with cantilevered floor joist, um, decks that have a roof, you know, it's, it's actually on top of a roof. I mean, there's got to be a really specific way that you take a roofing membrane that is meant to be flashed up against the house, have water run off of that, have water run down it. How, you know, what's an effective way to put a decking floor on top of that that is going to not have a lot of issues down the road? You know, because I've seen it anywhere from the deck board literally sitting on the roofing material. I've seen it from, you know, sleeper two by fours that that kind of sit on that roof, and then they put all these deck boards on top of that. And when you think about water trying to shed off of something like that, when the, all that wood's on top of it, what happens when it gets to the end? What happens when when the penetration wears out? If you're putting a deck board, then you are you are penetrating that roofing surface. So you better have a really, really super good plan. And there are some, some systems out there that are, that are designed and meant to do that. So the roof can slope so that they penetrate very little and, and, and they stand up higher and they're adjustable and they create space and they think about water flow and letting the water flow and that, you know, all of that in order to make a system like that work really well. You know, I've also seen other designs where, you know, I had one with this this guy's house that he's his gutter on his front porch always overflowed. They get any decent sized rain and it would just overflow. And basically there was like three different roofs that all drained onto this porch roof. And then there's one gutter, twenty foot wide porch with one downspout that couldn't it's taking the water from like 60% or so of the house in one 20 foot gutter. It is just, you're going to have storms very, very little that overwhelm that and just take over. So, so think of, you know, so when you're thinking of like, how could the municipality, like you almost feel let down, but you've got architects and builders and, 
and engineers and all these different people that have a say in this. So if your builder's just building what they're they're shown, if they're not paying attention, if they haven't learned from different things like this to offer better ways to do this, you know, it, you might not even get it out of the inspections, all that stuff, quite what you think you're going to get. And, you know, I'll never forget um, when I first started doing this for Scott, you know, I was a project manager. I built jobs. I worked on jobs. And then I started doing this consulting thing where I visited people, where I would look at issues with their house. I'd look at remodeling with their house. And, and I was kind of being trained and I was going around and this and that. And, and you know, I, I, I told the guy I was working with, you know, doing everything. I said, you know, the thing I'm curious about is I wonder how long it'll be before I see a house that I worked on and it's something that I did and it caused an issue because back then we built what they told us. We knew what we knew. We only learned what we learned you know, from the people around us. So if they didn't know, then guess what? I didn't know. You know, so further education, learning all this stuff is such a big thing. And so I'll tell you too, it, it happened. I don't remember how long it was, maybe a year, year and a half, you know, into into doing the consulting. I come up, I come across a house and, and it's got some roofing issues and I show up and I'm looking at it and he's, they're showing me all the, the water stains inside the house where the issues lie. And we go in the kitchen, I look over and I see, boom, there's a room addition that I built on the back of this house years before when I worked for, you know, a, a balling company that we, we, you know, me and another guy, we were the only employees and we built these room additions and we did all this carpentry stuff and what happened was when we built the addition, when we were trying to tie the roof into the existing roof, the existing roof was too old and brittle, and it just wasn't working. So the owner of the company sold them a recover. We're going to put shingles on top of the old shingles on the whole house, and we can feather it in and tie into the new roof with the shingles that are on top of the shingles. So now my theory is much different for me because I'm like, everything's as good as its base. If I have a worn out roof and I'm going to put a roof on top of that, what am I delivering? Well, I'm delivering a roof that they say lasts about half its life expectancy. We put a 25-year shingle on this man's house on top of bad shingles. And about 13 years later, I'm in his house explaining to him, what the owner of that company delivered for him and that he got exactly what he paid for. And, and it's such a shame, but here's where the question lies. Does, does that pass inspection? You betcha. You know, it's, it's, they're not going to tell you it's a 12 year roof, you know, but it could be, but it is okay to do. And it's hard for the municipality to say, well, you know what? We need everything to be absolutely perfect now no one, you know, maybe someone can afford to work on their house because of that circumstance. And maybe you're okay with a 12-year roof. And if they explained it to you, you might be like, sure, I'm good with that. I want to save some money. That's how I want to do it. But it's about that learning and education. So, you know, all these municipality inspections, home inspections, all these things, they are imperfect. And, and they, they are not best practices. 
They are standard practices. They are don't do worse than like the least amount of thing. And if there's architects and, and engineers and all these people that say this is an okay system, then they'll believe it's an okay system and they'll agree upon it. And that's what you get delivered. So, you know, it's not a perfect system, just like all the other systems out there. But hey, I got it. We got to get into our break. I ran a little too long on that. We got a call on the line if we can. Mark, if you can hold the line through the break, I will get to you as soon as we get back right after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, guys. Hey, Rich Orr's here filling in for Scott Mosby. If you need anything like Mark, give me a shout. 314-436-7900. Let's, let's fulfill this promise. Let's get to Mark, see what he's got going on. Hey, thanks for calling in today, Mark. What's happening? Hey, Rich. Love your show. Um, I've got a house that's got the hardy shingle siding on it, and it's got the staggered edge panel. Okay. And where the... Uh, Roof comes down and meets the chimney. The chimney's got the pa- the hardy board on it also. Where the roof meets the chimney, I noticed some of those pieces of uh, the siding, they're deteriorating at the bottom where it meets the roof. It's falling apart. And I thought this stuff was indestructible, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely not. Um, it's a great product for sure when, when done correctly. Um, yeah, well, my question is, uh, like, to replace those pieces at the bottom where it meets the roof, how far up do you have to go to pull it out, pull it off? Um, so it, it depends. It would definitely depends a little bit upon what we would find um, kind of underneath and behind that. Mm-hmm. We, we may recommend going higher uh, if we don't find – a house wrap that is protecting the wall itself once you're kind of getting behind some of that siding because that siding is definitely, you know, it's reliant on the caulk and, and the paint and, and this, you know, they put metal pieces behind the seams and not everybody mm-hmm. does that. So, like, if if rainwater starts blowing into the to a seam that's open – it'll run down and get on top of the piece below it. So it's like a, you know, three inch wide piece of metal that you put in and and then the seam goes in the center of that. So there's all these methods to help keep the water away, you know, from that uh, getting behind there. So we may recommend more once we see the circumstance from behind it, because then you want that house wrap to lap on top of the roof step flashing. So that if any okay. water comes down the wall, it doesn't get behind that step flashing. That's a different thing than you have. Yours is, right. you know, what you have going on right now is different. And you could have, your wall could be flashed perfectly fine. Um, or it could be caulked and painted well. And you're just not getting water behind the siding. Because you'll definitely get much less water behind, you know, a newer hardy board that's been caulked and, and all of those things you know, to it. So, so it is a great system and, and I, and I love it. And I definitely recommend, you know, that system. So, but what you have going on is very common is they put that, that cement siding too close to um, the roofing material. 
And yeah. if, if you think about even cement, like your driveway, and you see driveways where it's pitting and, you know, um, it, it, there's just things going wrong. It's cracking, and, and, you know, when moisture gets in and it freezes and it thaws, this causes, you know, damage to all of these systems. Um, so it, it really can, it, it, it's not a, a perfect, you know, system by way of that. That's why they have their installation process. And I can't remember off the top of my head it's way more than you think, but the distance that they tell you you should have that hardy board away from a roofing shingle, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's like two inches, which is yeah. big. It's not attractive. You know what I mean? If you're if you're close mm-hmm. to it, if you could see it, you're gonna see like two, two and a half inches or something of that metal or that house wrap you know, coming down and, and, and getting, you know, in between the shingle and the hardy. So, so what Mm -hmm. I suspect is they've, they probably don't have a space that's big enough, that's adequate. So moisture is soaking into that, that cement from that bottom edge or the backside and it will wear into it, it will soak into it, and it will start to cause deterioration on that board. So what we do a lot of times when we have that is you basically um, cut the siding. You can snap like some lines on the angle. You can pick the, the size of a piece of trim um, and then basically just cut through it right on the wall. You got to be really careful because you don't want to cut through that house wrap and the things behind the siding. So you definitely got to be careful with that. But if you cut that off, then you can paint up and install a piece of trim that, that kind of goes below your siding down to the roof. And then you keep whatever that piece of trim is. If it's hardy, it's going to be like the two, two and a half inches, whatever they say, you know, off of the roof. And the other good thing is when you do that trim method, you can you can paint that board before you put it up. So you can prime and paint all six sides of that board, the edges, the under, the back, the, that, and, and really get it coated well. Put it up, fill your nail holes, you know, put your final coat on it so that it looks pretty. So the board will be well, well more protected, you know, against that happening. Right. Um, and you can hold it a, a better distance or the proper distance up and it's just a you know a one by four or a one by six trim board that runs down that roof line and then the siding just dies into it sits on top of it and you caulk it and everything and, and you're pretty good um, we do that with window replacements a lot with like you know the the hardy type siding or sidings like that where you cut about four inches around the window you can put in a new construction window. You can flash tape it. You can flash it into the existing house wrap. And then you can put a trim board back on that's painted, matches that sort of thing, and looks really nice. So it's same kind of theory with that window installation. Okay. So, gotcha. And if you have house wrap back there, you just got to be really careful not to cut yeah. it. You don't want to yeah. improvise it. You almost just yeah. set it a little shy and, and break it off. You know, that sort of thing. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. Well, thank you for the information. I really appreciate it and love your show. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, Mark, for the call. Great question. Something that is so, so common that we see. You know, another thing that I see um, that, that we see all the time is when you do, you're on a wall with that roof line coming down. Now, a chimney's pretty small. You know, it's going to be two foot by four foot or five foot or six foot. Um, you're going to have smaller trim boards. But if you're on like the side of the house, like over the garage where it's like a whole gable, you know, roof wall and it's trusses and your framing is two foot wide. And a lot of people, the piece of trim I was talking about close to the close to the roof line. So you can go to PVC trim and you can put that closer to the shingles because it's generally plastic. It's not going to, you know, have the same issues with the water. So you can keep the look, keep it closer, cover up some of that flashing stuff that doesn't look super great. And with the proper paint, you can paint the PVC to match the house. But the problem is PVC needs to be attached very often so that it doesn't warp and wave. And so if you have two foot centers on your framing and you can only attach to something solid every two feet, and when you do it on a rake on an angle, it's, it's becomes more than two feet because your boards, you know, going uphill. So maybe it's 28 inches instead of 24 those boards will end up warping and having issues like that. So now you got something kind of indestructible, but you can't fasten it as well as you would like. So it's kind of like the same thing. I got the board that would last forever, but now it looks horrible because of this. I had the board that wouldn't, and that looks horrible because it's kind of wearing away and rotting away and doesn't take the moisture as well, you know, that sort of thing. But, if you know, for everybody out there, boy, concrete soaks up water moisture it just does this is better than normal but it'll still happen follow the rules follow the guidelines if you have any more questions on anything on your house we got a lot of time more than an hour left 314-436-7900 is how you find me or from far away 800-925-1120 we're going to get into our break and hopefully we get some more calls and i got some more information from you right after all this happens we'll be back this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, guys, here we go. We're back. Rich Orr's here filling in for Scott Mosby one more time. And um, for everyone out there, for Mark out there, so I did a quick Google search during the break. Uh, my two-inch number was correct if... Uh, all of this quick answers on our on our great friend Google is right now. I always try and warn people: don't trust everything you read. You know, go go directly to the source. But um, yeah, it's two inch space. So when you think about it, who who wants to see that? You know, and this kind of feeds right back into that whole. You know, if there's an issue with my house. You know, why didn't the municipality inspector protect me from that or say, hey, you know, that piece of siding should be two inches. Well, maybe he didn't notice or maybe, you know, the the architect didn't call out for that, you know, because basically what they do is you can't put every little single detail like that in there. So they'll pick the brand, make sure that it fits, that it 
you know, will work in that area and, and deliver some lasting value. And then they say, install this per the manufacturer's specifications. And I mean, I have seen so much out there that um, it's just like I, had, I saw a roof one time on a huge, huge house and, and, Basically, the patterns and the colors just didn't look good at all. I mean, this roof did not look right. And, of course, the roofing manufacturer came out. Nope, they did not install it the way that we say to install it. Roofer claimed that they couldn't because it was a, a hip roof, which you could. If you looked in there, you know, I, I, at the time I was a certified, you know, roofing applicator for, for this brand and everything, and so when I came out to look at it, I'm like, no, I know exactly how to do that. It is possible, and it really should have happened. But once they went through, you know, the attorneys and all this stuff for this giant roof on this massive home, it basically boiled down to the fact that, you know, doesn't look good, didn't necessarily cover the warranty of the home. And so basically the the court said, now, roof ain't leaking, shingles are installed. There's not a, a problem with it other than the way it looks. Too bad that's your roof, and it was now the responsibility of the homeowner, and it did look kind of totally odd out there. But, hey, um, watch out for things like that for sure. Make sure those things are happening for you. We got Rick on the line here uh, with a decking question, I believe. Hey, Rick, what do you got going on? How you doing? Hey, I'm looking to get a new deck. I've talked to a couple of different people, and I had a question for you. I'm getting a couple of different opinions on the floor joist. Uh-huh. Uh, one company uses regular 2 by 10 treated. Another company uh, uses strictly the KDAT, kill and dried lumber, and they tell me that's because it doesn't shrink and twist up nearly as bad as regular treated lumber. And also a question on, on the joist tape, too. Is that necessary for the joist on outside deck? On What was the last question on the joist what? That joist tape, the tape that goes on top of the joist, the, the ah. deck wrap tape, joist tape. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, you're, you're, I mean, your treated boards um, are going to be fine without the joist tape. Um, I mean, it's probably marginally better to, to keep some water off of it. But, um, I mean, you're talking even treated deck you know, floor joists that, that I've seen last, you know, 30, 40 years, um, that sort of thing. Um, the, the tape isn't necessary, but it's not, it's not going to hurt anything. It will, it will add some value, but it's marginal. Um, okay. And what about the KDAT KDAT floor joist? What's the, what do you think? What's your thoughts on those? I mean, really, to me, again, it's kind of the same thing. It's a marginal difference, and if you're if you're watching what you're doing, I get what they're saying by way of like, you got to pick your boards, you got to put them crown up. If you get a bunch of twisted stuff, you know, you got to like order more and then return some to get good quality boards. And this is something we battle all the time talking with clients about. Well. I had all this, you know, leftover siding or this. Well, it really wasn't leftover. We returned it. We ordered too much on purpose. You know, we might order. If we need 15 floor joists, we're going to order 20 so that we can get rid of some of those twisted ones and have the good right. ones. 
So right. again, I think that's a marginal thing. But the newest, latest thing that's happening a lot that's really getting started kicking off is is steel joist, is metal, I, I which is really gonna. It's it's a it's a newer thing. Not as many people are doing it yet, but it's a great quality product that avoids all of that stuff. It's going to be okay. straight. It's going to be. So I would I would investigate, is anybody doing the, the, the metal, you know, floor joists, and what does that take and what does that cost? And, and, you know, this is all about lasting value for you. But the decision between the two, to me, is so marginal. It's I don't think it's going to create enough interference where I don't have an opinion on doing one or the other. Well, the reason I was asking, I have a deck now that has the old treated floor joists on it, mm-hmm. and it, it's it, it's a it's early it's early composite deck. And it's all wavy up and down. They were saying that's because the floor joists shrink differently when they when they're wet and they'll shrink back and one will stay up higher, one will drop down a little lower than the other one, and they, that creates a wave on the deck. It's not the decking; it's the decking contouring to the floor joist differences. Is that correct? I mean, that can happen because, you know, that wood is um, even the other one they're talking about. It's kind of a moving, living organism, and um, it will it will do things even later on as it gets wet, okay. as, it's, as it kind of shrinks and swells. Yes, it definitely can do that, and that's probably another reason that a lot of people are going to these steel joists. Because gotcha. you can put them okay. flat, you can put them straight, and the composite's a thinner board, so it shows those imperfections a lot more than you know the the bigger inch and a half wood used to. So, right. yep. Thanks. Thanks for your help. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Yep, no problem. I appreciate it too. And yeah, I'd look into that steel if you really, you know, that's going to get you the the flatness and. You know, all of that stuff, absolutely for sure. And the other thing I would watch out for big time is, you know, the flashing. How do they attach it to the house? How do they flash it? Are they putting, you know, some kind of rubber membrane on a wall, house wrap, things that keep this deck from leaking, you know, at the wall of the house? But, hey, we are at our hour break. We got another hour left, so... We'll take that break. We'll have some news, and then I'll be back with you. 314-436-7900. This is how the story-